0: Father, we come to the time in this service when we open your Word, and we pray, O Lord, that your Word will truly enlighten and connect with our spirit. Help us, O Lord, today to be in tune with what the Spirit has to say to the church. Thank you for this special day of observance of fathers, family, home, and all of those refining influences. And I ask you to touch us today, O Lord, with attentive hearts, and spirit ears that we can hear what the Word of God has to say. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. Amen. And everybody said amen. amen. As I come to deliver this Father's Day message today, I really don't intend to preach like I normally do and I just really want to say some important things about family that we need to say in the culture in which we live. For some people this is a very tough day. For some people the memories that they have of home and family uh, are of pain and sorrow. And uh, I wish I could tell you that every father is a perfect father, that every father does an excellent job and that every father is true and faithful, but in our society, that's just really not uh, the truth. And there are families that suffer as a a result of it. I want Christian men this morning to know that you have a responsibility, not only to your immediate family, but to reflect the gospel by ministering to all kinds of uh, children whose dads are no longer in the picture, that uh, we can't just walk by Uh, kids that don't really have a dad anymore without uh, taking notice and having compassion. And uh, every opportunity that you have to make a positive influence on a child with a father image, a strong father image, then that's worthy activity and that's worthy behavior. And God is honored when we do uh, exactly that. Amen. We can't just walk by them and ignore them. I want to tell you that the church does basically a pitiful job, a pathetic job of reaching broken families and broken homes and things of that nature. Maybe it's because of the sensitivity of the issues and maybe it's because we just don't really want to delve into the intricate affairs that go on in a situation like that. But God has a message to give to broken people. And he has a message to give to broken families. And he is our Abba Father. He is our spiritual father. And he still owns us as his children. And he still has grace. And he still has forgiveness. And he still has healing for the brokenness that that are in the homes and our culture. So happy Father's Day. That's one of those things I'm glad we can still say. Uh, in this country. I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to keep delineating between the sexes and have a Father's Day and a Mother's Day. Maybe there's a time in the future when there will be a generic parent day instead of a mother and a father because that just indicates male and female and that seems to be a problem in our culture and a problem in our world today. But I want to tell you that Father's Day exists to give honor and respect to men, men who have stayed in the fight and have stayed with their task and have kept their shoulder to the wheel and have, have been uh, a shepherd for their family and a shepherd for their home and a, and a shepherd for those that are entrusted uh, to his uh, care. That gender specificity of uh, is, is a real issue right now. And I, I want to speak authoritatively this morning that the Bible recognizes Christian marriage as one man and one woman and I will not back away from that and I'm still thankful that our culture still recognizes a day that is set aside aside for mothers and also for fathers Instead of being rooted in one particular text and continuing to repeat it all through what I have to say today, I want to use several texts. And I want to begin in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. This is a true saying. That's a a colloquialism of the Apostle Paul in these letters that he writes to the churches. Uh, Another of his faithful sayings, and worthy of all acceptation, he says, is that Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. This is one of the faithful sayings. If you want to preach a sermon about faithful sayings, sometimes Levi or Larry, you guys that preach, there's a good subject right there, the faithful sayings of Paul's epistles. He says this is a faithful saying, a true saying. If a man desire the office of being a leader in the church, the word is translated probably in your uh, King James Version as bishop, uh, in others, presbyteros and episcopos uh, are, are for leaders. It's the same word. It talks about a leader in the church and calls him a bishop uh, in this translation. If a bishop, he must be blameless, husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, not a striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous one that ruleth well his own house, having the children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man knows not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Now this is a discussion that's going on between one elder to a group of elders. An elder in the church would be seen as a leader, a prominent person in the church one who has established a reputation of uh, stability and a reputation that he's apt to preach, that his uh, home is in good order, that his finances are in good order. He is a well-respected person outside the church. He's honest. He's a person of integrity. He keeps his word. He doesn't falsify. He's not hypocritical. He is has integrity. And the community knows him and respects him and he's speaking to other elders in the church and he talks about these qualifications about him being the husband of one wife that is blameless that is vigilant sober of good behavior given to hospitality but then he makes this this statement one that ruleth well his own house now that's not an hierarchical authority that doesn't mean you can sit in the recliner and holler at your wife and say hey Bring me something to drink. When you study headship and you talk about headship, in fact, the Bible says that the man is the head of the woman as Christ is the head of the church. That's not a hierarchical thing as if he is of more value than she is. It's about role And it's about responsibility and about privilege. Amen. Because the Bible speaks very highly of women in various places. Don't take just one statement there in 1 Timothy and and, uh, put that on God as if that's uh, a constant uh, uh, about God. After all, the mother of Jesus was a woman. Amen. And God chose the birthing of uh, natural birth to bring the Word that was made flesh into the world. Amen. So God does, in fact, the Bible said, if a man findeth a good wife, he has found a good thing. Now, I know wives don't like to be called a thing, (laughs) but suffice it to say, that's what the Scripture said: If a man findeth a good wife, he has found a precious thing. And then we know that passage in Proverbs and the 30s chapters about uh, the, the woman, that her price is far above rubies, and her children rise up to call her. Well, this is Father's Day, not Mother's Day. But I'm trying to tell you that, that women are not put down in the Word of God if you properly understand what the Word of God is about and the role and responsibility of a husband and the role and the responsibility of a wife. And here, here comes your chance, girls. I, I've set it up for you now. Don't miss your cue. Ephesians five twenty five: Husbands, love your wives. Way to go, girls. You're getting better about catching your clue. When I throw you the ball, you know what to do with it. Amen. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself for it. Well, listen at that. Love my wife like Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. Love my wife as if I were giving myself up for her. Hey, y'all feeling better, aren't you girls? Amen. Love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Then what we've got then is that the home and the family also is the equal of a church. It's a little flock. It's a little flock. And what this epistle is saying, Paul to Timothy, he's saying, if you can't take care of your little flock, how can you be expected to take care of the big flock? Come on, somebody. The Bible says that if God cannot trust you to handle small things, why in the world would he trust you to handle bigger things, more complicated things, more difficult things? Let's look at this scenario. Say we're we're looking for a preacher. Say we're looking for a preacher. And we've got candidates and they come in. And they sit down and one by one they tell us their modus operandi and one walks up and he says uh, well i want you to know one thing right out of the box, right out of the box i am gonna be boss if i'm around here i'm boss and you're gonna do what i want you to do when i tell you to do it i don't need anybody else doing anything i'll take care of it all by myself and i want to tell you i don't handle difficulty very good And tell you what, first time I find some of you involved in some difficulty, I'm out of here. Some of you would say, Where in the world did they get this guy? What in the world is he doing up there? A candidate to pastor a church? And he don't want to handle any difficulty, and if any difficulty comes, he's gone? Wow, let's get him off the list quick. What would you call that kind of guy? Uh, unfaithful, inconsistent, selfish, self-centered, arrogant, narcissistic. Boy, we can just find, bring him the dictionary. Brother, we can beat on that guy all day, can't we? As being a, a, a bad Example of what, what pastors ought, ought to be. Yet the potential shepherd that God is looking for, he, he has good shepherds and he's got unfortunately bad shepherds. He's got shepherds that are called of God and understand their call and depend upon their anointing. He's got other shepherds that it seems like they're in it for what they can get out of it. Amen. If you won't say amen, I will. Amen. Amen. I wish I could tell you that every shepherd in every church and every shepherd, every dad is a good one. But just like every dad is not a good one, unfortunately, every church shepherd is not a good one, too. Ah, Lord of mercy. You see, God wants us to be faithful in what we do. The Bible keeps talking about shepherds. It keeps talking about sheep. And I've told you many times the Lord didn't compliment us when he called us sheep. Two really prevalent things throughout the Bible it begins with God's revelation of himself as the shepherd of his people. And then God calls other people. We call them prophets. And we we call them priests. And we call them kings. And they are to shepherd and care for God's people. Ultimately, Jesus comes as the good shepherd, the ultimate shepherd. And then God provides churches under shepherds or pastors. The word pastor actually means shepherd. Wow. It's an Anglican Anglican Latin word that literally means shepherd. Shepherd. So then when God gives us a good pastor, he gives us a good shepherd. All the way through the Bible, there's this imagery of, of shepherds And I'll give you an Old Testament one, and we'll get it. It's in Ezekiel chapter 34. All the way through the Bible, there's that imagery. And we see God interacting with this this subject of, of, of shepherding. Ezekiel chapter 34, 1 through 10. God says that he's against the shepherds of Israel. Well, what's going on in Israel? Well, let's read it and see. The reason is that they serve themselves rather than the flock that the Lord gave them. They neglected their flock. They ignored the flock. And at the end of the day, they protected themselves instead of protecting the flock. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Now God is for a lot of things, but some things he's against. Come on, somebody. Some things God is not for, and boy, evidently unfaithfulness is one of them. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them: Thus saith the Lord God to the shepherds: Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves, should, and not the shepherds should not the shepherds feed the flock. Do you remember when Jesus was on that, that journey? he was traveling to Jerusalem, and uh, he turned around and he said, "Lovest thou me?" And Peter said, "Well, Lord, you know we love you." He said, well, feed the sheep. Took a few more steps, and Jesus said, do you love me? Lord, I just told you a minute ago, you know we love you. Lord, yeah, we we love you. Feed my sheep. Took another step or two on the road, turned around and said, do you really love me? Lord, you know We've already told you twice, we love you. Feed the sheep. Feed the sheep. Reasons why it was three. That's uh, another sermon. Three's the number of great. Yeah, I got it. So what was Jesus saying? He was saying, be faithful. Be faith. If you love me, be faithful. If you love me, be where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing at the time you're supposed to be there. See, that's what faithfulness is. It's being who you're supposed to be, where you're supposed to be at, at the time you're supposed to be there. That's steadfastness. That's dependability. Amen? That's stability. Son of man prophesy against these unfaithful. Next verse, please. You eat the fat, and you clothe you with the wool, and you kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. You're getting all the benefits. You're getting all the blessing. You know any dads like that? They're just kind of around for the good times and the feeding times and the a tough time comes, shearing comes, yeah, yeah, you know. Eat the fat and you feed not the flock. Next verse. The diseased have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick. Now, brother, when you've got sick sheep, who in the world do you expect is going to minister to them and try to get them healed up and restored than the shepherd? Well, I don't really want to get my hands dirty with all that mess. Could I tell you one thing? You ready for this? Perk up. To be a real good shepherd, you got to have the stink of sheep on you. To be a real good shepherd, you got to have a little stank going on. Because there's some cleaning up to do when you take the sheep out to the pastor. You got to clean up the pen from the night before. And there's duties and responsibilities that you get some stuff on you that don't make you very pleasant to be around. And other folks know that smell so bad they look around. Did you know that on all the totem poles of status and rank and social standing, do you know who was on the bottom? Shepherds. And yet it was shepherds that the angels appeared and said, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It was to shepherds first. They may be the least, but they're the first to get the news. Boy, somebody needs to shout about that. You mean the Lord cares about people who are the least? You mean the Lord Jesus cares about the folks that are on the bottom of the social standing list? You mean he cares about, oh yeah, he says the least shall be the greatest and the greatest shall be the least. Amen. Oh yes, he's all about the least, the disease, And but it's bad enough to be on the bottom of the, of the status, the rank and the list, but to be also sick. In other words, you may have got a limb hung in a crevice in the rock and you're kind of walking with a limp and you're sick. You may have caught some disease from another shepherd's sheep, and you got a sickness, and your, your eyes need some salve, and you, you, you got up against a, a, a briar and cut yourself, and you need some kind of antiseptic in that wound. And who do you think's going to put that there? Another sheep? No. It's a shepherd. That would be a job for a shepherd. And he says, You, these shepherds of Israel, You've got the diseased among you, but you've not strengthened them and you've not healed them. Neither have you bound up that which was broken. Neither have you brought again that which was driven away. Neither have you sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have you ruled over them. No wonder God was against them. Would you have been against them? Yeah, you better believe it. Because they had a responsibility that God had given them and they cast it aside as if it was nothing and acted like, who cares? What's in it for me? I'll take the wool. I'll take the fat. I'll eat the mutton. But don't ask me to fool with some sick sheep somewhere. Wow. So then God's house then is a a big flock. And my flock and my family at home is the little flock. What did he say about fear not, oh, little flock? You mean there's little flocks and there's big flocks? Yes, and I want to tell you something. So many times we've had this backwards. We've had it as if, the church exists for families but the way it really goes is families exist for churches because as a family goes so goes the church if you've got sick families in your church you've got a sick church come on somebody if you've got sick folks sitting in the pew then you probably got a sick person in the pulpit if you've got sick folks teaching your classes then you probably got Sick folks sitting in the chairs being taught. Come on. So how in the world do we get healed? Well, I want to tell you, every good shepherd knows all of the, the teachings because by oral tradition, he's been taught what he's been taught. You see, if you're, if you're a shepherd, usually you're a lifelong shepherd. You know, David was a shepherd, but he became a king. But he forever was known as the shepherd king. If you Google it right now and say the shepherd king, it'll come up David. Because once a shepherd, always a shepherd. They've got that in them. They've got that shepherd mentality in them. They've got that compassion of a shepherd in them. You know, I love that stained glass right up there that none of you can see I think the prettiest one we got these are pretty pretty pictures there's baptism up there of course that's why it's in the middle because the pool's behind it here's Jesus on the cross here's Jesus over here raising Jairus daughter this is Jesus after the resurrection appearing Boy, those are pretty pictures. There's one back there that I'll tell you what it, what it looks like. Jesus is, is standing. He's got a sweet little lamb in his hand. And he's got long, flowing hair. Looks like his nails are manicured real well. Looks like his beard is trimmed. Looks like he's got on a pretty coat. Is it red? Red ain't it Don red and got them little old sweet little sheep around and on the bottom down there he's stroking looks like he's stroking the head of that little lamb and it looks so peaceful and so nice well that's a beautiful picture have y'all ever seen that one of christ the good shepherd with the lamb in his hand and the lambs walking along beside him like all of them Well, as you go out today, make a trip right up here and stand up and look that way, and the one on the right end is Christ the Good Shepherd. It's a beautiful picture, but really it's a bunch of bunk. Why is that? Because real shepherds didn't look like that. And real sheep didn't look like that real shepherds were rugged brother their face and their arms and their hands were muscular and and built up but they had wounds all over them and their skin was leather-like and their face was burned from the sun from so many days of walking in that desert and they had a staff with them and and it, it was bloody from beating off animals and running off dangerous, perilous lions and bears, David said. And brother, David was one of those rugged looking ones. I've seen those pretty pictures of David too, haven't you? What is the one by Michelangelo of David that they, they carved out that that? Uh, rock and so many different uh, over decades tried to fix it so it looked like david but the rock had a flaw in it and they just couldn't do the sculpture just right and finally michelangelo came along and he said he pictured him as as a as a as shepherd and he began to chisel and he worked around the flaw and he worked around the crack and the crevice, and and finally got it to where it looked like everything, and they said, how in the world did you do that when everybody else couldn't do it? He said, I just took everything that wasn't David and cut it away. I just took everything that wasn't David and chiseled it away. I wonder if God was to work on some of our shepherds like this one. I wonder why we should not believe that God would take his chisel out and he would begin chiseling away because real shepherds brother they've got blood on their on their club their staff has got blood on it they've got blood on their garment and they have got the leather and they carry they carry a staff and they uh, this little fellow named David he carried a sling and he put five smooth stones in his, in his sling in case he had some more giants to slay that he had enough ammunition to Well, you, you're going to get me to preach that I said I wasn't going to preach but hey, I feel like I might preach a little bit right now that, that he had enough ammunition to take care of business because if you'll read your Bible you'll find out Goliath had four brothers somebody said, well why did he get five stones brother Jerry, was he figuring he might not be a good shot Hey, brother, he was a good shot, all right. One shot did the business. And if the other four brothers had showed up, he'd have done a one shot on each one of them too. Shepherds fight off the threatening animals and difficulties that come against their flock. They not only heal them, they not only bind up their wounds, they not only feed them, they protect them. David said, that bear came and got one of my lambs and, and carried one of my lambs off. And he said, I chased him down. I ran after him until I caught him. And I got him by his beard and I shook him until he turned my lamb loose. And He said, I shook the daylights out of him. And he said there was another time when a lion, a mountain lion came in and Thought she was going to feed my mutton to her cubs. And said, I ran after her. Well, I caught her and I took her and I put a thing, a hammer lock on her and I, I punched her and I took my club and I beat her and she turned my lamb loose. Father, there are some enemies of your family That you're going to have to take a little bit of a warrior attitude. And you're going to have to chase down the enemy of your children's souls. And you're going to have to fight the battle for your family. Because if you don't, then you're going to reap terrible havoc and terrible chaos. Your family deserves a father that will stand up and fight for them. And sometimes you've just got to say, no. No. And yes, those children will poke their lip at you. They'll call you dictator. They'll call you all kind of names. But you put your good thick skin on and you get in the Word and make sure you're doing the right thing and you pray about it and you ask God to give you wisdom and give you understanding and then you put on the armor. I said put on the armor. And fight the good fight of faith. You see, we've never quite understood. It's old as the hills. But how do we think that you keep putting something in that you're going to get something else out? This world is full of stuff, music that your kids have no business listening to. Full of movies that your your, your family has no business watching. channels, websites, that your family has no business going to those websites. No business. This is not popular preaching. you probably get run off for this, but I'm so near the end, wouldn't matter if you run me off today. So what I'm saying to you is don't let the devil make you think that you can play along with the game and it's going to turn out different somewhere down the road for you. That's not going to happen. You know what? When I take that salt shaker and I walk over to my food I'm about to eat, if I keep shaking it, I said, if I keep shaking it, I better be realizing that I'm I'm changing that food I'm pouring this on. And if I keep going here, it won't be fit to eat. Come on, somebody. You see, if you expect to get a different result from something you know, well, you're getting that picture. And, Dad, God fixed it in His Word for you to be the one. And don't pass that along to your wife. She's, that's not her role. What do I say in the marriage thing? I ain't getting no mens over here. These guys don't like me today. They don't want to be identified with nothing I'm saying. So I'll, I'll disclaim everything going that way. I'll just be right here. Preacher was tough this morning, wasn't he? God wants you to take a stand for something. Your children will respect you if you stand for something. They won't respect you if you fall for everything. You see, if you stand for nothing, you'll surely fall for everything. And what happens then is they can't trust you. Let your yea be yea, let your nay be nay. Amen. And once you've said your yea, and once you've said your nay, be consistent. Be dependable. Amen. Because a warrior, a warrior shepherd, the Bible said he gives his life. Jesus said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. Did you get that? And in 1 Peter, the Bible calls him the chief shepherd. You mean there are shepherds and then there's a chief shepherd? The Bible said, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. There's a crown, there's a reward, There's a blessing that when the chief shepherd appears, then we who are under shepherds, shepherd your little flock, oh, little flock, shepherd your little flock, and then bring yourself to God's house with the rest of the flock. Come on. That's the big flock. Amen. What that tells us is every one of us as kings and priests, as prophets in our own house, are you the prophet at your house I said are you the prophet at your house you need to turn me up they're still not hearing me. are you the prophet at your house are you the one through whom the Word of God flows are you the priest at your house are you the one who goes into the holy place and goes into the presence of God for your children for your husband, for your family, for your mama, for your sister, for the next door neighbor? Are you a priest? Do you go to God for people? Are you a prophet or are you a priest? And then lastly, are you a king? Because kings rule their own house well. <laughs> Isn't it humorous sometimes? The David said, as for me and mine, got no control over you and yours. That's your, your place. You're the prophet in that house. You're the priest in that house. Come on. And that's up to you. But as for me and the, this house and the priest and the prophet in this house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Come on, Olivia, I'm late. Come on and help me quit. Buddy, we had a good time Wednesday night. We're in that chapter of Acts where the Peter and John are arrested because they had zeal and enthusiasm and was preaching down on the street corner and they came and arrested him. You better get ready for that. That's in our future. Jesus said, when they arrest you and when they bring you before the judge, don't worry about what you'll say because the Holy Ghost, you better make sure you got the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will tell you what to say. Peter and John got arrested for preaching Jesus. Carried them to jail. AND THE BIBLE SAID AFTER THEY LAID UPON THEM MANY STRIPES, CHARGED THEM TO NOT EVER PREACH IN THAT NAME EVER AGAIN. AND PETER SAID, SIR, WE'RE NOT SLOW. WE'RE NOT HESITATING. WE'RE NOT STUTTERING. We're not searching for words. We're not slow to answer you concerning this matter because we've already decided that in our hearts, for our house, for our ministry, for our people, our family, for me and my house, we've decided this. It's better to obey God than it is man. said now here's something else for you because we've already decided this too as sure as you turn us loose we're going to go back down there to that same street corner and we're going to pick up where we left off and we're going to preach all over again right, right where you found us the first time glory to God rested them again brought them in again challenged them again and said, no more preaching in this name. We've told you once. We mean it when we tell you, don't be preaching in this name. And Dr. Gamaliel spoke up. He's president of Hebrew University, you know. Was at that time. He's the one that schooled the Apostle Paul and taught him all about the law and the Torah and all about the Decalogue and all about the Levitical system and the Deuteronomic covenants. And he spoke up and he said, "Hey, all you guys, you better quit whipping these boys." And said, "I tell you something else. Be careful how you handle them." I love this stage. It's, it's in your words and Acts of the Apostles. Read it when you get home. It said, "Be careful, how, for these are not just ordinary men." Buddy, I'm waiting on the day when somebody in Anniston, Alabama will decide these are not just ordinary people. I'm waiting on the day when somebody realizes we're not just dealing with ordinariness here. There's something about these people that's different. Hallelujah. They've got an experience with God that's different somehow. And he said, I'd advise you just to threaten them and turn them loose again. And the Bible said, and being let go. You'd have thought they'd have run somewhere, hidden a hole in the ground from some." The Bible said, and being let go, they found their way to their own company. They found the other apostles. And the Bible said, and reported the things which they had seen and heard. And the Bible said, and they prayed. And they said, oh, Lord behold, now they're threatenings. I hope this happens in the prayer meeting we have after some of our folks gets arrested for preaching. I said, I hope this is said in the prayer meeting we have after some of you folks get arrested for believing in the Christian faith and believing in gender, you're getting it. Behold, they're threatening. Your ear that is open to our cry. Your hand is not shortened that it can't save. Let your ear, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant that with all boldness, boldness, we might speak your word. And then the Bible says, Larry, that the place where they were assembled was shaken. shaken talk about a jailhouse rock the whole place was shaken and the Bible said and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness brother it's time for faithful shepherds to speak the word of God with boldness it's time for faithful shepherds amen to rule over their house and say this is the house the lord has made i will rejoice and be glad in this house where i am hallelujah goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God give us some men that will stand up on this Father's Day and say yes I'm going to shepherd my family yes I'm going to take care of my folks and I'm going to guard and protect them I'm going to heal their wounds I'm going to bind up their brokenness I'm going to take my place in the big flock I'm going to be counted for God to a culture and a generation that knows not God I'm going to be a testimony. I'm going to be a witness to what God is doing. Hallelujah! Have we got any shepherds in the house? Well, you better stand up. Do you stink? We got any stinking shepherds in here that smell like sheep? Well, congratulations. If you don't smell like sheep, you need to be able to do a better job. <laughs> I want every one of you to go out of here, ask your wife when you get in the car, do I stink? <laughs> Honey, do I stink? Don't be surprised if she tells you, yeah. Well, that's a good thing. Praise God. It's a good thing. That, that means you're, you're on the job. means you're doing the job. God, give us some men, some fathers that'll do the job and be faithful. This church will be a better church if you'll be a better dad. I said this church will be a better church if you're a faithful shepherd and a good dad. Amen. Amen. You know, tell you this and then we'll go, I've said it before. I think Brother Ford is our oldest living father. Anybody here greater than ninety one? You win, Brother Ford. We've not found her yet. We've looked for his daughter all over the house and we have. She she did, where's she at, Don? You told me, she's in the balcony? She's in the back over here to my right. The other right. (laughs) I guarantee you, I know that man, I know how he raised his children. I stayed in his house enough times when I preached revivals for him. So I know what goes on at his house. You can ask either of his children a question and they can tell you how their dad would answer it. I said, he raised them so consistently that they know the answer to the question before they ever ask it. Amen. I want to tell you folks talk about well we just don't communicate we've got this gender gap and we've got this generational thing and we just don't communicate i never had any trouble communicating with my daddy i always knew what he meant we got so good at communicating that he could just look at me and i knew what he meant We even got to where we did sign language. And I knew what he meant. Never had any generational gap. Never had any communication problem at all. Never misunderstood it. Knew just exactly what he meant. That's right, you was raised too, wasn't you, Steve? Y'all don't know Steve like I know him. He was raised over at North Birmingham A.N. Lee was his pastor when he was a kid growing up. And A.N. Lee is just exactly what I'm preaching about today, but because you stayed in his house a lot of times and you watched that man, you know what kind of man he was. He was that kind of same guy. And you know what, no matter where you saw him, if you saw him at the barber shop or you saw him at the grocery store, he was the same there as he is on Sunday morning when he comes down here and preaches. Amen. Hey, you know what? Tell you, we're going, I promise. My mama was laying over there dying at Ball Wiley Hospital in Decatur. And I was walking down that one of those long aisles with Brenda, my sister. And I got to thinking about where my mama was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And where she was going. And Charles, I just broke out in a shout right there in that hospital. Glory to God. Hallelujah. My sister Brenda run in a room of somebody she didn't even know. (laughs) She just knew she was going to get away from me. (laughs) Hey, when you have a hallelujah hoedown, sometimes they'll get away from you. (laughs) You're too embarrassing for them. God help me to get so embarrassing for these people. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be in your house today, and thank you for the good Holy Ghost that we feel right now. Thank you for fathers, Lord, shepherds that will shepherd their flock, that will be faithful to their flock, and faithful in healing, and faithful in binding up wounds, and faithful in the duties of a shepherd that will fight the battle and fight the fight of faith for their families. Help us, Lord, to go from this place and enjoy our Father's Day today with all of our family and our friends. And just give glory and honor and praise to God throughout the day, who is our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you, and God, go with you. It's my prayer. You have a great day today.